As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. I'm Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer, and we are here for another episode of 1% Better. And there was no Colts game this weekend, but there was football. Was there ever? <laughs> I think, Zach, okay, I am, disclosure, I am 45 years old, and that was probably the greatest weekend of football in my lifetime. Incredible. Saturday and Sunday. I mean, just incredible. I have never Which, seen such a thing. There might have been like a a New Year's Day of college football that might have been like close. I don't remember. But I don't think I'll ever forget this weekend of football. It was bananas. Am I crazy? We, we should start by thanking whoever invented football, right? Yes. Who's the Dr. Naismith of football? Yeah, I can't. I don't know. I can't think of a run of games where all of them. They almost seem to get better, right? And that's not to take anything mm-hmm. away from Cincinnati's win Saturday afternoon. I was stunned. I was stunned at the way the game ended Saturday night in Green Bay. I couldn't leave my couch on, on Sunday afternoon watching the, the 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 Brady comeback, right? It was like all going – it was it was following the same script that I watched at Reliance Stadium years ago when they beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl. And, and I thought it was the same thing was happening when the fumble happened. And then Cooper Cup over the middle. What a play for Matthew Stafford. And then yesterday afternoon, yesterday night in Kansas City, takes the cake. I feel awful, awful for Josh Allen today. Oh. That dude balled out and had one of the best games I've ever seen from a quarterback in the playoffs. Won the game for his team with 13 seconds left and didn't get to touch the ball again. And the Bills are going home. Unbelievable. Football Football won this weekend. No, he, he, Josh Allen had a Michael Jordan in Madison Square Garden performance and lost. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. That is crazy. I, I, I just, I don't know how, if you're a football fan, I don't know how you, you watch any of what you saw this weekend and and not have just a, an emotional reaction to that. It was just so stunning, all of it. Just incredible. You You saw, I think you saw arguably one of the five greatest playoff games ever. On Sunday night, it has to be up there, right? Easily. I mean, I, mean the, I think I give you know special weight to Super Bowls, you know, because obviously, you know, then there have been some really good Super Bowls. I mean, I think about yeah. the greatest show on turf, the Rams Super Bowl. I think about 
you know, games like even even the, the Steelers uh, most recent Super Bowl win, for example, you know, Centennial Homes. I mean, there's been some great ones, but I don't think there's been a game that I can remember with that much action in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was just not even the fourth quarter in the last two minutes. I think I mean, there were five lead changes in the last three minutes. Yeah, like if that was a Super Bowl, and it might it might as well have been. If that was a Super Bowl, Twitter would have lost its damn mind. It, it would have, have it would have went down. Yeah, yeah. But if it went down, then we're all for the better for it because we went sure. out on top, right? <laughs> exactly. That that was like eight points nine seconds in football. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that that's a good point. Of that. Yeah, it's crazy. It wasn't one team or one guy, but. Just as stunning, you know? 13 seconds. 13 seconds, and Mahomes gets them 30, 40 yards into field goal range. Incredible. So here's the thing. Uh, This is a Colts podcast, right? So you're probably wondering, okay, we get it. (laughs) The games are good. What's your point? (laughs) There is a point, right, Zach? There is a point here. A very important one, in fact. Because if you were a Colts fan, or you are an observer of the Colts, as we are, you could not watch those games without that context in mind. And to think, man, the Colts are in the AFC. Josh Allen's in the AFC. Patrick Mahomes is in the AFC. Just, you know, Joe Burrow's in the AFC. <laughs> I mean, Lamar Jackson. I mean, you know, go, the list goes on. Justin Herbert. You got Carson Wentz. How are you feeling about that? You know? I don't know. And those guys are young. And they're not going anywhere. No. And the gap never seemed wider, to me at least, than it did yesterday. And Carson Wentz can do a lot of good things. And we saw a lot of good things from him this season. But we also saw the really bad things at the end of the season. And the takeaway for me yesterday was twofold. One, the Colts have a skill position problem. They have the best running back in football, Jonathan Taylor. They have a great receiver in Michael Pittman. And then they have a whole bunch of question marks. We'll get into that in a minute. But secondly, if you just go straight quarterback, these dudes yesterday stepped up with the game on the line, right? We talk about these intangibles and all these things. Us in the media talk about fans, talk about announcers, talk about Joe Burrow, game on the line, hits a beautiful out route to Chase to set up the game-winning field goal, right? Jimmy G with that big third down throw over the middle to get the 49ers into that third and seven where Debo Samuel made the run that set up the field goal, right? Quarterbacks stepped up in a huge way. We haven't even talked about Allen and Mahomes and what they did, but... The, the gap just seems really wide to me in between quarterbacks who can make the clutch plays and carry their teams and what we saw in week 17 and 18 where the Colts quarterback didn't meet the moment. And that's why this team was watching a lot of good football from the couch this weekend. Yeah, you, you just made a point that I was actually going to make, and, it's, and I, I want to compound it. You know, Every single winning quarterback this weekend made game-winning plays, every single one, and made them under just – unbelievable pressure. Okay, talk about meeting the moment. I mean, there's no bigger moment. Okay, your season right. is literally on the line. Everything is on you. And these guys made unbelievable plays. Joe Burrow did it. Garoppolo did it. And I don't put Garoppolo in this class. Let's just be clear. I'm, I'm just making the point that to get there, to get where these teams are going, the quarterback has to do this and give Jimmy G credit. He did it. Rodgers didn't. <laughs> so it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, that is that is a fact. The San Francisco model seems to be the one the Colts might have to follow, at least yeah. try to emulate. We've been saying that for a couple of years, but I think it's never it's never been more apparent than than right now because 
the Colts don't have Burrow. They don't have Herbert. They don't right. have Mahomes. They don't have Allen. But to to put a point on on the you know the point I was making. So obviously Stafford, same thing. Mahomes obviously made the play. So they, all those winning quarterbacks made plays at at moments that were incredibly pressure packed. And this is where there's an issue with Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz can make a lot of the plays we saw from some of these guys. I don't mean necessarily on a regular basis per se, but he can make those plays. And we have seen him in the course of his career make plays that are comparable to some of the plays these guys made. That is true. However, what has happened, at least certainly this year and in the latter years in Philadelphia, is that at the moment when everything mattered, that's when he failed to make those plays. And that's when he actually, in many cases, has made some really costly mistakes. So that's the problem here. I mean, I think we saw, I would say, one game this year uh, would be the Cardinals game. We saw we saw one game where he did what we saw on Sunday or on Saturday and Sunday. He did that. He stepped up at that moment of truth and rose to the occasion and, and met that moment. But he didn't consistently do that and there were opportunities I mean I think the, the Baltimore game was an opportunity he, he did not do that and it wasn't just him I'm not blaming that loss on him I'm just saying there were opportunities I mean the Tampa Bay game you know you could argue there were opportunities there he, he didn't really do that I mean and I think that's the difference here is like these are quarterbacks who at that moment they're unflappable they're not afraid and their composure is just off the freaking charts, and they make plays that are just, you know, incomprehensible uh, given all the circumstances. So I think that's really, you know, as a as an observer for me, that's where I think there's a big issue. I mean, is is that fair? I mean, did, was, is that a fair depiction? Do you think of of Wentz this season, or do you think he has that in him? He is what we've seen, right? That's the reality. Yeah. And and what he can become will remain to be seen, whether he's the quarterback next year or not. But, you know, the number Chris Ballard mentioned more than once, and I've gone back and watched his season any press conference, two and five. The Colts were two and five in one score games this season. Yep. A lot of that is on the quarterback. Now I know I watched every game and I know the defense they did they had their hands dirty in, in Baltimore and in, in Tennessee and all that, but hey, newsflash: but, the Chiefs' defense sucked too. <laughs> <laughs> right, and they uh, they're hosting their fourth straight AFC Championship game. My God, that defense! I mean, take nothing away from Allen, but fourth and thirteen, and you let an untouched receiver catch a touchdown. Right, but the reality is, some guys step up in those moments, and I think the the hard thing to transition from is, and I hate to go back to this, but no matter how poorly Andrew Luck would play in certain moments of these big games. That dude would always, he had this great short-term amnesia, all the great quarterbacks do. He would throw it out, and he would make the plays under pressure. And that's exactly what Wentz did one time this season. Remember how bad he was? Yep. Remember how bad he was middle of that game in Arizona? I think I tweeted that he was missing high school throws, and I thought he was. But then he stepped up, and he had that huge drive, and he showed us he could do it. But that was just one time, and that was just a it was just a flicker of, of, of promise that that never was fulfilled. And I think it was glaring this weekend how some guys can just do that who can just lift the entire team it's either it's either a quarterback league or it's it's it's, if you have a quarterback you have a quarterback and you know it if you don't you're just perpetually hoping and in in trying to fill the pieces around him and you're probably the team that loses in these games this past weekend in the playoffs I mean it was never more apparent you either have a dude or you don't and the Colts don't have a dude right now 
Okay, so great segue because so I was in Nashville on Saturday night, you know, covering the Titans and Megals for the Athletic. And my story from that game was basically I had the Colts in mind when I was writing that story, even though it wasn't a, a story about the Colts. I was an expert at that topic, okay, because <laughs> <laughs> you had 17 weeks of practice. Exactly. 18, sorry, 18. Exactly. So let's just say I know a lot about quarterback play or underperforming quarterback play. But anyway, Ryan Tannehill, I think, is like Carson Wentz plus. <laughs> okay. It's just not really a compliment, I guess, you know, um, depending on the day, I suppose, right? And so I thought, you know, what I, the point I made in that story was that, look, you know, this is a, there's so many teams in the NFL that sell themselves on this this idea that you can do it without an elite quarterback. Sometimes you have to sell yourself on that because you don't have the elite quarterback and it's not really attainable, right? So what else do you what choice do you have? But I think the Titans, there's no question. I mean, they really fancied themselves as a Super Bowl contender, as a Super Bowl team. They had the number one seed in the AFC. They should be thinking Super Bowl. But at the end. I just think at the end of the day, they were probably never going to the Super Bowl with that quarterback, <laughs> you know, and that could be wrong. And, and Jimmy G may prove us wrong. Right. But it just doesn't feel that attainable when the quarterback can't meet the moment. He had three interceptions in the biggest game of the season. I mean, it is what it is. You know, some of them may be some bad luck, but you throw in crunch time, you throw the ball into really tight coverage and bad things can happen. And it, it did late in that game. Right. And then, Joe Burrow takes the ball and bang, bang. Two plays, they're in field goal range, and they win the game. So, you know, you talked about the Colts having, you know, those that 2-5 and five record in close games. The, the quarterback absolutely tends to decide those games. It's absolutely true. It's either the quarterback or your defense stopping the other team's quarterback. That's what that boils down to. It's usually exactly. not the running backs. The Jonathan Taylor's not winning the game in a two-minute situation. As good as he is, as great as he is, he is not going to be the guy winning a game for you in a two-minute situation. He's a running back. So I just think that's just a reality. The quarterback is at the center of all of this, more so than ever in football history, in NFL history, more so than ever. It's just the way the game is now. Uh, I didn't make the rules, but those are the rules. <laughs> so the the hardest part is there's like seven or eight or nine of them, like actual yeah. stud stars, and there's not there's not fifteen, there's not thirty two. It's a and supply so and demand problem. Teams, and I would put the the Colts and the Titans sort of in the same boat. I mean, Tannehill had thirty seven hundred yards this year, twenty one touchdowns, fourteen picks. I mean, his first throw on Saturday was an interception, and his last throw was an interception, and and he lost a game for them. And that's that's a team that overachieved in the regular season. I think I think yeah. Vrabel did that good of a job, but they played the Colts, you know, neck and neck twice. And the first time Wentz was playing on one ankle, and the second time the Colts should have been up seventeen nothing, maybe twenty one nothing. But we've been into that. But they're kind of they're those teams that that are not going to get a top five pick anytime too, anytime soon because they have, you know, they have too good of a roster, but. They're going to probably find themselves in these situations in January a couple more times this time of year because they don't have that guy. And it's very obvious where the AFC is headed. One, it's going to run through Buffalo and Kansas City for the foreseeable future because those guys are that good. And the rosters around them are really good, too. Kansas City's built it really well. Same with Buffalo. The Chargers are coming. The Bengals are here. And the Ravens are coming, too. I still think the Ravens are going to bounce back and be a playoff team for the next couple of years with Lamar. 
Where does that leave the Titans and where does that leave the Colts? One of them's going to get in the playoffs because of the division, but without a guy, can they do it? It's it's a lot harder. And you've had to see San Francisco really squeak through two really tough playoff games the last two weeks with Jimmy G making some big mistakes. Now, where does this leave the Colts? Here's my question to you, and I know a lot of people probably out there were thinking this. What did Jim Irsay think watching these games this weekend? What did Chris Ballard think? Mm-hmm. And what did Frank Reich think watching these quarterbacks do what they did? Well, okay, let's get into that. So I have I had a text conversation the other night with a, with a pretty – a pretty solid source in the Colts organization who was like the rest of you sitting at home watching these games because that's where the Colts are right now. <laughs> and, and I tell it had you, to be painful to sit <laughs> home and watch. Can you imagine? It's like that could be us. You know, that's that's literally what it is. You're the little kid, you know, peeking through the blinds while everyone else is outside, you know, having fun and riding bikes. But you're grounded because you're in the house. <laughs> you know, so that's them. But anyway. Uh, that got some emotions going and got some wheels turning. And this particular source, who is you know someone very, um, definitely someone of, of consequence in the organization, said, um, basically, I'll, I'll, I won't read this, but I'll paraphrase. Basically, look, Jonathan Taylor's amazing, but we have to throw the ball to, to win. We just have to, it, to, to get where they want to go. They have to have a dynamic passing game. They've said that. That's not like groundbreaking. But I think the, the context here is important. This was being said while these games were playing out because it reinforced it. It really reinforced it for them. And there's no question, all right? You can't, it, they had the same takeaway we did, this particular person, the exact same takeaway. And, and the other thing is that uh, there's another point in here which says, uh, you know, if you want to win with a, a dominant run game, you kind of have to have a top five defense, was the takeaway. That's a pretty. That's a pretty specific statement. And I think the takeaway I have from this conversation was, look, Jonathan Taylor's great. Uh, yeah, we should run the ball. But at the end of the day, <laughs> running it, and there were some specific numbers thrown around. You know, running it 25, 30 times or giving it to, to Taylor 25, 30 times sounds good. But I don't know that that is the formula. And that's not that was the takeaway here, it, it, at least in the long term. It can be in isolated games. Sometimes yeah. that's the formula, but that's not going to be the formula when you're going to, you know, going up against Mahomes. And I know they beat Allen that way, but that was that was a, a Buffalo team that was trying to figure itself out, and they figured themselves out in a major way in the the subsequent weeks. The other thing is the the AFC in general. The AFC is out of control. You already said it. Uh, I think. Baltimore has the best front office in football. Those guys get it. They know what the hell they're doing. They're going to be back. Trust me. Uh, Cincinnati is an offensive line away. Okay? It's time. Oh, God. That's a big ask, though. It is. Poor Joe Burrow. I mean, and I don't mean the entire line, but, like, get this kid a couple tackles. I mean, like, dude. (laughs) But I'm just telling you, I mean, they are a couple of offensive linemen away from being right in that game last night. And and going toe to toe just like those guys did. I mean, hell, they're, they're in the AFC Championship game. What am I talking about, right? So, so anyway, my point is, this is I, you know I talked about that that column I wrote in Nashville about how you can sell yourself on the idea that it can work. I think the Colts know it's it sounds good, but it's not really that feasible. I think they know it. How that is this? How that informs the rest of the offseason? I don't know. 
I'll tell you how it informs the rest of the offseason. Is this the end of run the damn ball? It might be. Now, look, we're not here to diminish the skills of Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Duke can take over any game at any point. We saw that rushing champ by 500 yards. But the Colts watching from the couch this weekend saw what we all saw. Passing wins in this league. It's how the NFL works in 2022. And that needs to shape every decision they make moving forward. And I'm writing about this today. And it's it's not to shift away from Wentz. But look, we've written a lot about Wentz. The Colts are going to look into this and see what's out there. And we'll talk about this in a minute. But let's just play the game. If Wentz is back, he probably is. It's more likely than not he's back, I think. That's my gut reaction right now. You. From talking to people and from weighing everything that's out there. Let's say Wentz is back. What do you need to do to make sure 2022 goes better than 2021? You need to help this dude. You need to help him. You need to help him with weapons. The Colts don't have any on offense, not named Jonathan Taylor and not named Michael Pittman Jr. And they need to change their approach to free agency. And this starts with the GM. And I think the head coach is going to have a lot of say in this as well. They haven't done anything at wide receiver in years in terms of outside free agent signings. Kamar Aiken, Ryan Grant, Dontrell Inman, Marcus Johnson, Devin Funches. Now, Funches was probably going to have a pretty good season. He got hurt in the first week and, and didn't do a thing. But none of those guys had a season where they had more than 350 yards. None of them, right? Those are bargain basement signings that never got the job done. Now, you have spent a little money. You re-signed TY last year. You've invested a little bit of draft capital, but not enough, right? Pittman was a second rounder. Paris Campbell was a second rounder. We know the story with Campbell. Pittman is on his way. You don't have anything at tight end, and that's a huge problem. And you look at these other teams. Look at Kansas City. They got Kelsey. They got Hill. They got another. They got a couple other receivers. They got Pringle. You know, the Bengals. T. Higgins is a 1,000-yard receiver, and no one talks about him because Jamar Chase is that <laughs> good. They got a tight end with, with 500 yards and another receiver with 820 yards. I don't need to talk about Cooper Cup and the Rams and what he did, but they have Van Jefferson who has 800 yards. San Francisco, Debo had 1,400. Kittle had 910. What's the commonality in all these teams? Multiple offensive weapons that make a dynamic passing game. The Colts don't have it. Their passing game is throw it up to Michael Pittman, and that's about it, right? Doolin had his moment. Uh, Patman had his moment in San Francisco, but he still or in, in Arizona, but he still has two career catches. Yeah. The bottom line is it's not good enough, and I don't care if Carson is back or it's Jimmy G, or it's whoever. I don't care who the quarterback is. They need more options. They need more of a vertical threat. And whether you do that in the draft or free agency, with a tight end or receivers, it needs to be better. Ballard needs to change his approach. You need to get more dynamic in the aerial passing game. And that's going to help Carson Wentz. Maybe we don't see what we saw this weekend. We probably won't. But Carson Wentz can play well if he has more weapons. I truly do believe that. There's plenty on Carson. We know he needs to play smarter. But I think with a lot more weapons, he could be better. That needs to be something they think about every single day this offseason moving forward. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So I'm I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound like I'm defending Carson Wentz, but we're just stating facts here. Uh, it's it, it it is about the quarterback, yes, but it, but as Zach just outlined, I mean, you can't watch those games and see all of these incredible skill position players and be like, oh, we're just a quarterback away. Like, no, man, that's crazy. No, that's crazy. No. Listen, if you took Patrick Mahomes and you put him in a Colts uniform, which is never going to happen, but let's just play the game. Take Patrick Mahomes, put him in Colts blue, horseshoe on his helmet. Does he have the exact same experience under center for the Colts right now that he did in Kansas City? Now, he'll benefit from an amazing running game, right? That that he can't that he can't necessarily uh compare with right now. Uh, he will have well, I was gonna say the offensive line might be upgraded, but I thought the Colts took a really big step back on the offensive line this year. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not, not ready to call them that. an elite offensive line anymore. Not after Jacksonville. You got to go earn that shit again because I'm sorry. There, that second half of the season, the performance of the offensive line, I thought it was just way too inconsistent, and at the end of the season, just outright poor. So they got to they have to earn that right to to call themselves that once again. I think so. Anyway, keeping with my stupid analogy here. If you took if you took Patrick Mahomes, you put him in a Colts uniform. Is he going to have the exact same experience when instead of throwing to Kelsey, he's throwing to Jack Doyle? God bless Jack Doyle, but let's be honest, he'd be the first person to tell you, "I am not Travis Kelsey." <laughs> okay, Kelsey won the game yesterday. He, did. He, he got the catch that got him in field goal range, and he made a great back shoulder turn for the game winner. No, right. Colts don't have anything close to that. Or take take Ashton Doolin out and replace him with. Tyreek Hill, you know what I mean? Like, or T.Y. or whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know? And that's the thing. I mean, Buffalo, had no one's talking about Stephon Diggs. He's like, you know, that guy might be a top five receiver in the NFL, <laughs> you know? So I know he didn't have a big game yesterday, but he's still out there. He's still a threat. You don't think the defense is paying attention? Okay, trust me. They better be because they know he can beat you. So I just think that is – for the Colts, uh, you talked about, you know, how will how will this inform? I asked the question and you addressed it as well. How will these realities and watching this all play out? How will that inform them the rest of the season? I I think if they're honest with if they are honest with themselves, you can't sit here and look at yourself in the mirror and say we've done all we could offensively, even despite the the issues at quarterback. You cannot look yourself in the mirror and claim that you've done all you could. There's just no way you haven't. You have not. I refuse to accept that. So yeah, and and I we'll see. yeah, but finish. I took issue with this, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well. So we sat down with Chris Ballard for about sixty six minutes a couple of weeks ago, and, and I'm sure you guys, you know, saw some of his highlights from his season any press conference. And I took some serious issue. I asked a question, basically like, "Where's your receiver room at?" Because I thought they underperformed, yep. especially down the stretch, and. And I didn't necessarily like what Ballard had to say. He said, look, I mean, T.Y. is a good player, and, and Zach Pascal was coming off two years where he had 600 yards, and and we liked Doolin, and, and Strawn wasn't ready. That that wasn't good enough. Like, that that unit was not good enough this year. If Strawn wasn't ready, 
I mean, you can't bank on Paris Campbell. That unit just left so much to be desired. And that's what I'm talking about with Carson. And we've talked a lot about the quarterback and the decisions that he made that are on him. But he needs more weapons around him. And not since 2018 have the Colts had a dynamic weapon at tight end. And that's such a staple of Frank Reich's offense. And look, quarterbacks love tight ends. Like, right? They yep. they love throwing at tight ends because they're sure-handed and they're open in the middle of the field. And it's it's an easy first down. And Jack Doyle's probably going to retire. That's just my gut feeling on that. Same. I don't think Mo Cox has another gear. We haven't seen it. We've been waiting for it. We haven't seen it. I don't know where Kylan Granson's at. Maybe he develops in year two. I thought he had some potential on training camp, but we didn't see it a lot this year. I think he only had 11 catches. When Frank Reich was hired in January, February of 2018, what did they do? The first big signing they made, they went and got Eric Ebron, a much maligned Detroit line, and they gave him, what, 18 over two years, and the dude responded with 14 touchdowns. It was a great signing despite Ebron yeah. being Ebron. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, whatever Ebron yeah. in the next year and the attitude, right? right? That dude produced and he produced in the red area, which is a huge issue for this team right now. Yep. If you remove Jonathan Taylor from the equation. So I think that's where you spend some money. And if I'm Frank Reich, I'm pushing hard to make myself more dynamic in the passing game with vertical threats and with a tight end. And I'm opening up the I'm opening up the checkbook if I'm Chris Ballard. And the guy at the head of all of this is Jim Ursay. And I had a conversation with him last week. And I can tell you this, Ursay has not mellowed at all. Mm. It's been 10 days since the end of the season, and he's just as mad as ever. He's just as mad as he was Sunday night. And, and that's what I think is going to inform this team moving forward is, like you wrote, I think it was Sunday night after Jacksonville, you can't run this back as is. There needs to be some changes. We keep wondering what these big changes are going to be. I think it starts with the passing game. If it's not Wentz, you need to go out and help this dude. Then if you move on from Wentz after 2022, that's fine. You, you gave it two years, you move on, you go find a solution. But at least give him an opportunity to have a shot with more dynamic weapons. And they just didn't do that well enough this year. Yeah, this is not to say that Wentz didn't miss open receivers. Uh, he did. Didn't have throws that were off target. Uh, didn't make some bad reads. He did all of that, okay? And so he has to own that, and and I think there's no one in the building who's going to pretend those things didn't happen. I mean, they know it. I mean, we saw it. We know they saw it. So all of those things happen. They're all true. But that also doesn't mean that it's also not true, or it also is true, I guess, that they don't have anybody other than Jonathan Taylor who's keeping anybody up at night. They just don't have anybody like that. And I just think the the tight end room in particular, Jack Doyle was basically a blocker and a very, very good one, by the way. I mean, Jonathan Taylor should have brought him a, a Louis Vuitton bag, too. I was going to say the same thing. Jack deserves one. <laughs> I don't know. One? Jack Doyle with a Louis Vuitton bag just doesn't work he for me. He probably would be like, what is this, Louis Vuitton? What is this? Uh, <laughs> He'd probably give it to his wife. <laughs> right. So anyway, um, I love Ryan Kelly's reaction. Like, well, you know, JT, I didn't. Didn't fancy myself as a Louis Vuitton guy, uh, Ryan Kelly in his big Ford, his jacked up Ford pickup truck. But yeah, he needs to be sponsored by Carhartt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's all he wears. But anyway, uh, I, I think the tight end room in particular, it's just, as you said, just been such a staple. This is the first year I felt like they just kind of like half-assed it at that position. And it's just not good enough, you know. I last, last year wasn't great, but I think Rivers – knew how to maximize the tight ends, much more so than than Carson. 
But look, I mean, Carson Wentz, as bad as his receivers were in in Philadelphia, and, and he had much the same problem there that he did here in terms of the quality of his receivers, he did have Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz yeah. was, I think they had, I think he had two targets, Carson Wentz did, I think he had two targets over his five years there that had 1,000-yard seasons. I think one was Alshon Jeffrey, if I'm not mistaken, one year, and the other was Zach Ertz. You know, so uh, I think that should tell you something. I mean, if he had, I think if he has a big time receiver, he's willing to feed that guy. He just doesn't have it right now. And he, he's, he's not necessarily a quarterback who's going to make other guys better. Okay. I don't think he is, but I think if he has good players around him, he gets better, you know? So I think that's really, it, it should, you want it to go the other way, but look, it, that guy's not out there. That's what you have. Right. So anyway, very long way of saying, I think based on, you know, your conversation with Ursay and our conversations with everyone, my text conversations the other night. I think all of this, I think I am starting to see a little bit of a shift in philosophy. I don't know that it's going to be like an, a complete overhaul. I'm not saying that. I don't think that's even possible. But I do think they have definitely built this team in a very, very specific way. And I think they have to ask questions about that now. And I think they are. I think that's a good way to put it. They built it in a in a traditional way, yeah. right? In a win up front. And Ballard said in his press conference that that's not going to change. And I'm all for that. I still think he went up front in this league. But there's no doubt that the passing attack has to be an instrumental part of your offense. And it wasn't for the Colts in the last couple games. And that's why they... They bled out, right? That's why they yeah. faded. And another thing on top of this is what's one thing the Colts never seem to get in games? They never seem to get yards after the catch. It feels like that just disappeared yeah. as part of the offense this year. And Pittman's good at it. We saw it a little bit his rookie year. Not a lot this year. T.Y. is not the same player he was in 13, 14, 15. They don't have anything at tight end in that regard. And that's where you steal yards in this league. And they don't have those small, shifty guys you saw what Tyreek Hill yesterday. Now, there's only one of those guys in the league. He's like a legit cheetah. But Dude. you need to be able to steal easy yards and, and to make guys miss. And they just don't have that dynamic type of yards after the catch guy. That's what they might be looking for. I would love this team to go out and sign a slot guy that can steal some yards after the catch this season. But again, every other team in the league wants one of those guys, and they're going to be willing to pay that. Is Ballard going to be willing to shift his – free agent approach and, and open up the checkbook and sign some guys. I think it's time because clearly, as you said, that, you know, running it back as is and with the same mindset, that's that's unforgivable. You can't put yourself in the same position next December when you're leaning on, you know, your fourth and fifth receiver to make game winning plays. You need to have some studs at the wide receiver and tight end position to lean on all season to keep that defense honest. And believe me, it's actually going to make Jonathan Taylor better. The guy we haven't talked about who just ran for 1,800 yards. Yeah, and and listen, I, I know we have preached this to you for years, you know, just the the idea that Ballard lives and dies by, that, you know, you've got to build a locker room in a certain way, and all, all of those things are true. I actually believe in a lot of that, and I actually think there's there's been a lot of evidence that that has, that, that has done them more good than bad. I, I believe that, okay? I, I, think it, I think it's good that their leaders are guys like, Quentin Nelson and and Darius Leonard and and DeForest Buckner, you know, guys who are stand-up people and not just good players. I think that's good. But at the same time, I think they've reached a point, and he talked about this. I I think he he talked about them reaching a point where they feel like they have a culture where they can 
bring other types of guys in, whatever that even means. I I mean, they're there, right? Five freaking years. I think you're there. <laughs> okay. So And it, it come to on. counter that, like one playoff win in five years. Like Right. That's the other it's side. It's great. Of the you're equation. building a culture of great dudes. That's great. Win in the playoffs. Win in January. That's what this is about. It's not about who can build the nicest team. It's about who can build teams that win in January. And that's what the that's what the boss is saying. That's what Jim Mercer is telling them right now. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Jim Mercer has been telling Chris Ballard, take my money. <laughs> yeah. Okay? We all need a guy like that, right? Right. Like who's who's gonna come Spend to my house my and money. tell me that, you know? But like that's where we are. And I think, you know, look, Chris, I, I, I like Chris a lot. I still think he's one of the top executives in the NFL. But I think he I think he definitely is having some pretty hard conversations with himself and probably with his staff. And they're probably gonna try to figure this out. I, I think they have to. They they you know they're feeling pressure. You know they are. It's easy to say, hey, we're gonna do this the way we plan, you know, when you don't feel pressure. It's easy to say that. Okay. It's easy to say that after 2018, when you go to the second round of the playoffs. It's easy to do anything when you have a quarterback. They yeah, don't. Absolutely. Or or even to say, hey, you know, we're gonna take our time. Andrew Luck just retired. We're gonna take our time and figure this out. It's easy to say that in the aftermath of that when you know no one's expecting anything of you. But we're pretty far removed from that now. And it's still a it's still a reality. It's not like it didn't happen. It did, and and they've been dealt a bad hand. That that still happened, but no one cares. <laughs> no one cares, you know. And those are Chris Ballard's words, right? He's he's fond oh, he of says all that. the time. No one cares about your problems. They're just happy that you have them. Yep. And the Colts have some problems right now. Yep. And the AFC South and the rest of the AFC is is happy that they do because they don't they don't have those quarterback problems. Yeah. So. Uh, before we get out of here, I think it's it's important to touch on a couple of things. Um, the Colts are still, I guess, potentially going to lose some guys here. I mean, they have they still have a, a, quite a few guys up for positions elsewhere. Ed Dodds, I, it sounds like the Raiders are pretty fond of him. Uh, I heard that on Friday night that that he might be the leader there, but I, that's a little sketchy. I'm not sure, uh, but but definitely he's in the mix, right? And he's he's a Raiders guy. He's been there before. That we know. Uh, Eberflus, defense coordinator Matt Eberflus, is a finalist in two places for head coach job. Jacksonville and Chicago, if I understand correctly. And then uh, Morocco Brown, the college scouting director, uh, who I think is a really important part of, of their draft process. Big part. He's he's in the mix in, in Chicago. It sounds like um, he's really got a shot there. Uh, Bill Polian is, is really... I think the deciding factor there, he's part of their search committee and he is, I think, taking the lead role. So whether that helps, you know, the, the Colts guys, I don't know, but uh, it, it certainly doesn't hurt because we know that uh, Chris Ballard and, and Bill Polian are, are pretty close and, and talk to each other quite a bit. So anyway, uh, I guess um, we'll have to see what happens. I, I, what it does though, is it reinforces for me is, is that, you know, the rest of the league still thinks they, they got a pretty good thing going here. Uh, but they just got a couple things they ain't got to figure out that are holding them back. But I think in terms of how this team is viewed elsewhere, I think it's pretty clear. Uh, Scotty Montgomery, is he still up? Well, um, so I guess that, that Carolina made their move there, but he was up for the Carolina offensive coordinator and position. So. Jonathan Gannon, who's not with the Colts yeah. now, but we, you know, we worked with him for years as the DB yeah. coach here, and he's getting head coaching jobs after his first year as a defensive coordinator in Philly. So... Teams think very highly of Chris Ballard's 
executive staff and of Frank Reich's head coaching staff. I don't know what Dodds is going to do. I do know he's going to be selective, and he's turned down a couple offers before, um, excused himself from the from the Bears situation this year. Um, but I do know the Raiders mean a lot to him. It's where yeah. he cut his teeth in this league. He remembers being really proud that Al Davis would let him in the locker room, in, in the weight room with him to work out, and he wouldn't let anybody else in. So he reveres that man. Mark Davis will be making the decision out there in Las Vegas, but I, I could see that happening. You know, Dodds is, is an old school scout and who keeps it real, and, and that might be what the Raiders need right now after the mess that was this season off the field. Um, that could be a big loss. And Morocco Brown, I mean, Morocco keeps it real and he was huge in the drafting of Jonathan Taylor and he's been one of the Colts biggest weapons in that draft room. And so we'll see what happens. Um, I still think Jacksonville and Chicago probably go offense with the head coach with Justin Fields and with Trevor Lawrence in place. But I don't know. They must like Matt Eberflus a lot. He's a finalist. Um, He knows how this process works. We'll see what happens. But it'll be fascinating if the Colts do lose Eberflus. I know they're they're preparing for that eventuality because that's what they have done the last couple years. It'll be interesting to see if they go outside the building or stay inside. I would bet they they do a national search and look around the league for a potential replacement. Yeah, I think it's funny because had Gannon stuck around, uh, he probably was the choice. He'd be the choice, you know, and and he's proven that that would have been a pretty good decision. But, uh, you know, you get him taken out of the mix. And so I I wonder what they have on staff uh, to, you know, to ascend to the defensive coordinator spot. That is a trickier question now uh, that Gannon is gone. I mean, there's Dave Borgonzi at linebacker. I think he's done a great job. That unit, I think is the best unit on their defense. They also have the best player, so that's a factor. But but I think he's done a good job developing those guys. Uh, even guys like EJ Speed, who we don't see that often, but when they are asked to play, uh, they definitely uh, have an impact. So he's done a good job. But, you know, is he ready to be defense coordinator? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. And and Chris Ballard. There's some that. really good D coordinators out there on the market. True. Which which changes things. I mean, Vic Fangio is available. That is true. And Wink Martindale was was fired in Baltimore. So that changes things. I mean, these guys are legit, proven, championship-winning DCs. And it'll be interesting if and when Iberflus does get a job, it will be interesting to see what means more to Chris Ballard. Is it is it philosophy or is it just, um, you know, the quality of the coach? You know, and it will be interesting because I think that's a – there's a dichotomy there, right? And he definitely has an affinity for the style of defense they currently play. You know, going back to his years with Lovey Smith and and all that. So you guys know that. Uh, it, you know, you bring in somebody else, you may get a very different style of defense, which is not a bad thing. I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent. I'm just saying uh, he has a very strong feeling about the style they play. What are you willing to hire someone who plays a different style? That would be very interesting. And it also is a, a scheme, or excuse me, a, a personnel question because you, you drafted guys to fit this particular style of defense. So, you know, there's, there's definitely a, an ongoing issue there, and we'll have to monitor that. So, anyway. yeah. And this will be, I mean, this will be the first time Frank Reich hires his defensive coordinator. Yeah. I keep now, saying Chris Ballard. He, it, it's Frank Reich's coaching staff, by the way. Right. And, and and I've talked to Ballard about this over the years, and, and he doesn't really get into the coaching weeds that much. Now, it's not like um, he doesn't have input, but he, he doesn't, he doesn't tell the coaches how to coach. So he yeah. wouldn't, you know, override any type of scheme or anything. But again, you know, now Frank Reich essentially hired Matt Eberflus again and again by keeping him around. Right. But um, again, you know, he was basically just said, you know, 
by the way, if you take this head coaching job, we have a DC for you. Um, if Eberflus leaves, it'll be the first time Frank gets to fill that position, you know, outwardly, it'll be fascinating, but, um, you know, Darius Leonard can play in any defensive scheme. He, he you know, True. Buckner can play in any scheme. Kenny Moore is a valuable player, no matter what. That will be fascinating to see how the wrinkles play out, but, um, we'll see. We'll see. This might be Eberflus's best chance so far. Looks like it. So anyway, uh, the season's over, but damn, it seems like there's a lot going on. <laughs> we did a 40 minute podcast, uh, without even having a game to talk about. So that's the NFL. It keeps on giving, right? Uh, hey, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we've got we've got lots of playoff coverage on The Athletic right now. We've got uh, the Senior Bowl coming up, the Combine's around the corner. I mean, there's going to be Colts news regardless. There always is. So stay tuned for that. And uh, we thank you for those who are already subscribers. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, and this is 1%. Down.